Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to Episode 6 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I am your host, Rick Verbonis, and I am joined by my partner, Bob Lucius. Bob, how are you doing today? And I'm doing great, Rick. I am super excited for today's uh, show, and I am like, I'm like itching, to, itching to get into it. I know, this is one of your favorites, and it is definitely a fan favorite because it um, tackles a subject that... Uh, has perplexed many Marvel fans for many years in the late 60s, early 70s. And uh, we're going to get into Captain America issues 153 through 156. Now, these had a cover date of September, October, November, December of 1972, which means they came out in the summer and fall of 1972. And uh, you know, there was a lot going on in that time, uh, just kind of set the stage for our listeners of, of what, you know, what, what, what was going on outside the comic world. Yeah, well, there was a lot going on, right? I mean, we were knee deep in Vietnam at this time and had been for many years. And, uh, and really, you know, the uh, opposition to the war had grown uh, substantially in the United States, particularly among young people, uh, not just uh, high schoolers, but uh, the college educated and, uh, you know, the 20-something crowd. And it was also the time uh, when uh, Nixon's government, uh, Kissinger and, and Nixon himself eventually, were um, uh, doing their rapprochement to, uh, to the PRC, the People's Republic of China, trying to uh, reestablish relations with uh, the Hermit Kingdom. So lots going on at that time. Because Marvel does reflect the real world. They were always proud of that. Uh, this did spill into the stories of the, the Marvel comics of the time. So what happened here uh, for Captain America, uh, we, we get the very first story from Steve Englehart. So Steve came on with uh, this issue, 153. And of course, he had a really nice three-year run as a uh, fantastic writer for Captain America. And he and spawned so many great stories, including The Secret Empire, uh, including uh, the uh, Steve Rogers giving up the, the, the role of Captain America and becoming Nomad. Um, just all kinds of memorable, fantastic stories, but, uh, but none other than this one. Uh, this, this kicks it off. And now, just to tell you a little bit about Steve Englehart, um, he was new to writing comics only maybe uh, a year or so when he took on Captain America. And he was actually taking on the, the Cap series, the Avenger series, and the Defender series all around the same time. So he had a, a full plate of uh, some fantastic Marvel characters. And he, he started also with Amazing Adventures back in 1972, um, which was, I don't know if you remember, but that's when they had Hank McCoy uh, changed into the the blue furry beast and um you know one thing about steve englehart he may not have created a lot of memorable characters i mean yeah he created mantis and uh, a few others but he was i i would say he was better known for taking characters little known characters uh or even some established characters and just kind of reimagining them and revitalizing them so he made the the furry blue beast, which was kind of an angry guy at the time, into a fun-loving beast, and who eventually joined the Avengers. 
Um, he took uh, a, a character of the Valkyrie, which was a very little used character that was originally uh, in 1970 introduced in, in the pages of the Avengers and turned her into uh, this uh, amazing character in the Defenders. I think she, she came in issue four and, and was a, a mainstay there. Um, took a, a, a teen heartthrob character of Patsy Walker and, and turned her into the Hellcat. So he, he had this ability to um, change some characters and change some stories, which kind of brings us into what he did here in, in the series of Captain America. Uh, I, I will tell you what happened was uh, Roy Thomas was the editor at the time, and he had been thinking about uh, the Captain America who appeared in the 1950s, the timely also, you know, known as Marvel books in the 1950s. And Marvel's Cap, uh, according to Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, when they brought him back in Avengers 4, had been frozen in ice during that time. So who was the guy in the 1950s? There was this, this paradox. And quite frankly, uh, it wasn't just Roy Thomas who was thinking this. It was a lot of the Captain America or Marvel fans. So I'm going to read a letter that is in the back of issue 155. And uh, it's in the let's wrap with cap section of the letter, uh, the letters, dear Stan, Gary and Sal. So this is Stan Lee, Gary Friedrich and Sal Busima. In this letter, I'm going to bring up a point that should have been brought up long ago. The matter concerning Captain America's supposed suspended animation. Say that three times fast. Yeah. As, as everyone who reads Avengers number four knows Cap was supposedly blasted into suspended animation sometime towards the end of World War II when Bucky was allegedly killed in an explosion. I say this can't be because Cap and Bucky were still around in 1946 with the All Winners Squad. Also, Captain America and Bucky fought in Korea about six years later. See Marvel Superheroes number 12. So how do you get the crazy idea that Cap was, quote, on ice, for 20 years, signed Philip Healy from Australia, of all places. <laughs> Here's the response, and I believe it's, it's from Stanley. You should have seen the gargantuan grin that grew on Stainless Steve, that's Steve Engelhart, Stainless Steve's face when he read your letter, because he was just hoping that someone would write and ask such a question while he's in the middle of his current quadrology about that very matter How's this issue grab you, pal? So, Quadrology, nice. Yes. Well, Stan was... <laughs> Albert Smith. Right? Um, so, yeah, this was a big, big question. So I'm going to go read something from Steve Englehart's webpage uh, where he talks about this, and I'm just going to let him do the talking. So he says, Captain America was my third Marvel series. It was being considered for cancellation when I got it. Because yes. it had no reason for existence. I don't know if I agree with that. Stan Lee had written it for years and was clearly his least favorite book. The stories had become not only lackluster, but repetitive. I don't, I don't know if I agree with that either, but okay. Well, uh, okay. Well. So Gary Friedrich, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, had picked it up a year before and done some interesting stuff, but he hadn't stayed long. Then Jerry Conway did two issues as a stopgap, and then I got it. The problem across the board at Marvel was that this was the 70s, 
prime anti-war years. And here was a guy with a flag on his chest who was supposed to represent what most people distrusted. No one knew what to do with him. Six months later, the wayward book, Slouching Toward Cancellation, was Marvel's number one title. And I seemed to have found my career. I'd also found an artist, Sal Basima, who could draw exactly what I envisioned. So it was all good. Uh, so yeah, and, and talk about Sal Basima. I know there's a huge Sal Basima uh, fan group out there. And, and why not? The, the man was uh, legendary. He, he drew so many different titles and, and characters uh, in the 70s and 80s, uh, and, and some in the 90s as well. And, um, you know, he, he actually had been on this, the Cap series a little longer than Steve. He did a couple issues, 114, 115, and then he came on in 146. So he had been on for about a half a year as the regular artist before Steve took over. And then he, he did uh, several issues um, all the way up through Steve Englehart's run. And, uh, and again, he, he came back later. Um, and he was also Steve Englehart's par partner during um, the, the first uh, 11 issues of The Defenders in 1972 and 73. So they, they definitely had a, a great partnership that allowed uh, for, you know, the two of them to do some amazing storytelling. That uh, you, I mean, you summed it up very, very nicely. And, uh, and I think uh, Engelhart, uh, yeah, he, he kind of saw what the problem was, at least what he perceived the problem to be and, and set out to address it and deal with the issue of the paradox. All right, so let's get into that issue. Issue 153, it's Captain America and the Falcon on the title. And we have Sal Basima uh, has a, uh, an image on the cover, which taken from a scene within the story. And you have Captain America standing over this, um, this looks like a, just a regular guy. He's not a villain or, you know, super villain or anything like that. And he's holding his shirt and the guy looks uh, passed out. You have a couple other guys running away. And here's the Falcon jumping toward Captain America. And uh, you have his, his Falcon Red, um, Red Wing yeah. flying in as well. And Captain America says, get up, Crumb, so I can belt you clear to, huh? And he's turning around looking at Falcon coming at him. And Falcon says, that's one of my people you're beating up on, Cap. Well, now you can waltz around with me, Captain America, hero or hoax? A little background coming into this story. So uh, back at uh, issue 139, Steve actually became a police officer. So that's still going on. In issue 144, Falcon dissolved the partnership with Cap. And, um, and then uh, shortly thereafter, maybe like 151 or something like that, there was a uh, Nick Fury from S.H.I.E.L.D. asked Cap for probably, you know, multiple times to say, hey, you know, we want you to join S.H.I.E.L.D. And he, and he shot him down. Yeah, he did shoot him down. And, uh, you know, he had his reasons. And, and those reasons are explored in the previous issues. But there was another issue uh, that was going on as well, kind of in the background. Uh, because, you know, work romances happen everywhere, uh, Rick, including at S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters. And yes. that's exactly what happened, right? Because everybody knows that Nick's gal is Val. And at least at this time, you know, uh, Cap's girl was uh, Sharon. But uh, Val was starting to get a little fed up with uh, old Nick Fury and decided that uh, she was going to try to make him jealous by uh, 
paying a little bit more attention to, to old Cap. And, uh, and Nick was getting a little irritated at that. So between the fact that uh, uh, Cap turned down his offer to join S.H.I.E.L.D. and the fact that Nick's, Nick's lady was uh, making eyes at uh, Cap, Nick was uh, fit to be tied at this point. Yeah, and, and that's, that brings us to this story. Captain America, Hero or Hoax? And it is, as I mentioned, Steve Englehart, Sal Buscema, Jim Mooney is the inker, John Costa letterer, and Roy Thomas, the editor. So it starts off with Cap, uh, as you said, with his girl, Sharon Carter, and Falcon um, walking back from a, a mission, and Cap's coming into his apartment uh, that he, he rents as Steve Rogers, and he opens up the door, and it's late at night, and there's a shadowy figure sitting in the chair, and it turns out to be Nick Fury. So Nick Fury, uh, he, he, he says, uh, get Agent 13 and the Falcon out of here on the double. This is the showdown, mister, and it's just between you and me. And so Cap tries to talk him out of it, but uh, Nick's not having it. And so Cap says, okay, Sharon, Falcon, why don't you take a walk? And Nick takes off his trench coat and reveals this. Um, he says, I got me a shield action suit, complete with solid steel arms, specially made to fight someone like you, and fighting's the name of this game. So they go ahead and they fight. Typical Marvel fashion, right? They, they go ahead and fight for the next several pages. Uh, Cap has him in advantage, then Nick has him in advantage. Cap throws his shield, it goes out the window because he says he's been tired from fighting all night. Um, so Sharon runs to a payphone, Remember those? <laughs> yeah. So runs to a payphone and says, um, gets on Shield's headquarters and trying to get through to Contessa Valentina Allegro de Fontaine. Uh, she's dreamy. She's did dreamy, Rick. Her when you were younger. I did. I still do, kind of, you know. <laughs> so Cap and Nick are fighting, and it gets to the point where Nick kind of finally reveals what, what's behind him, right? And he says, Pal, do you know I used to be your age before you got yourself frozen solid for 20 years? I kept on living, fighting for my country through World War II, the Korean War, the Cold War. I'd lived those 20 years, getting gray for America. And then you pop up, all blonde, blue-eyed, and young. And Cap says, hmm, so that's the real reason. Finally, when people think of American heroes, they don't see us old, unsung types quietly busting our backs for them. No, they see you, glory boy. And when a girl like Val wants a man, she sees you, not an old war horse like me. And so we kind of see, you know, that's, that's what it's been building to. Nick's uh, a little jealous. So Cap uh, knocks him over and they, they get talking. And uh, next thing you know, uh, Sharon and Falcon did get uh, Contessa and she comes running up and uh, Nick, Nick, darling are you hurt? Lady, your guy you're looking for is the one in blue Cap, no Nick, not anymore not ever, it's you I love only you and uh, he says, get away from me, why? so you can suffer some more, so you can keep on being a martyr? Oh no Nick Furry, you enjoy your pain too much and then she goes and gives him the riot rack so the, the manager of the apartment complex comes knocking on the door because of course that fight drawed a lot of complaints. Uh, Steve reaches through the door, hands him a bunch of money, and uh, gets rid of that. It's a nice little 
plot device there just to explain that uh, the fight inside can get away. Um, so at this point, Sharon quits. She quits S.H.I.E.L.D. And um, she says, uh, it's, it's only that this crazy conflict between my love and my duty has got to end. I hurt a lot of people by not taking this step before. I'm serious, sir. Don't try to talk me out of this. So Nick's like, well, maybe you can just take a leave of absence. So Steve and Sharon decide to go on a vacation. They, got tried to, they decide to go to the Bahamas and uh, just get away. And then Steve asks Sam you know, to keep an eye on things while he's gone. And Sam is more than happy to do that. You know, Rick, uh, I, I, love, I love Nick Fury. I mean, not as much as Cap, but I mean, Nick Fury comes in second for me. And, and I just love Nick Fury. Uh, I love his sayings, you know? And I, I'm like, I gotta like, I think my retirement project is gonna be to write a book where I just compile Nick Furyisms. Like, uh, now wait a chicken scratching minute. <laughs> you know, and Jim's like that. I think uh, I gotta, I gotta do that. Yeah, it's uh, it, he does have some some good ones, and and Sam does too. Right at this point, uh, as he's watching uh, Steve and Sharon leave in the airport, he says, "There they go, and Lord knows they deserve some time <laughs> together after all they've been through. It's so darn corny, but when it's all done, love is what it's all about." People loving people. Love it. <laughs> he finishes with, dig it. <laughs> this is great stuff, man. Dig it, Bob. I love it. I dig it. All right. So he then uh, goes on patrol, Sam, uh, true to his word, making sure. But uh, he's in Harlem, uh, which is his stomping ground. And as he's uh, going rooftop to rooftop, he sees his girl, Layla, in the arms of his nemesis, Roth, Michelle, or is it Rafi? Roth, Michelle? No, Rafe, Rafe. I think Rafe. Yeah, that sounds even more scary. Rafe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so he he's like, oh no, and he he goes off. Um, then we cut to a scene in the police department where Steve Rogers' partner uh, it finds out that Steve called in sick again, and he's he's wondering. He's starting to, to wonder about him. You know, then there's the the episode where um, he deserted his sh uh, his shift last night and leaving his uniform in the alley. So he's he's starting to suspect things about Steve. And there is a uh, another police officer, Muldoon, um, who who has been he's been asked to leave the department, um, and the other police officers think he's been framed. So he's going to go talk to Muldoon. Now, in the meantime, uh, Sam runs into Layla on the street, and she's very angry, and, and uh, she's like, I don't care about your heart, baby, not while your mind's with the honkies, and they're sending one of their heroes up here to beat on the brothers like yesterday. What? What hero? Where you been, baby? I'm talking about Captain America. You're crazy. Crazy, huh? Ask anybody. Get your hand off me. He's like, well, she is crazy. I, I, I put him on a plane yesterday. So he, he goes off patrolling, looking for the, you know, whoever this person is. And he comes across, uh, much, very much like the cover, he comes across Captain America beating up on this guy. And he swings in and he says, uh, I know this brother and you got no reason to bust on him. Okay, you fraud. I want some answers and I want them right now. 
And as he's uh, talking, uh, Cap just comes up and just nails him and hits him again. And, uh, you know, Sam's like, wow, he's, he's too strong uh, to, be, to, be, to be Steve. His strength is incredible. And, and Cap would never call me boy. Then he, uh, he attacks him and hits him. Um, but just as he, he pulls off his mask, he wants to see, you know, who are you? And it's Steve. And he's like, it's Cap, you know, and he gets hit in the back of the head. And he turns around. He's like, oh, my Lord, am I losing my mind? And there in the last page, the splash page is Captain America standing with Bucky. And Bucky says, we got him right where we want him. And Cap says, you bet, little buddy. Now there's nothing to stop the comeback of the real Captain America and Bucky. Yeah. Wow. Right. Wow. Uh, And the blurb at the bottom says, hold it right there, frantic one. We swear this is not A, a dream, B, a hallucination, C, an imaginary story. I always love it when comic books say this isn't an imaginary story. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. D, a pair of androids or robots. This is all real. And if that doesn't grab you, then there ain't no way. Face it, Tiger. You just read chapter one of the most mind-bending Marvel masterpiece ever to be continued. Well, I got to get to the next Next one. I you know, What's going on? Is it the acrobat? I mean, what's going on? I don't know, but I, I'm glad I don't have to wait a month. I tell you, <laughs> can you imagine being back in 1972? Oh my gosh, yeah. What's going on here? So uh, here we are, the cover of issue 154, and it's uh, Captain America and the Falcon. And there's Captain America in the middle charging, and he's got an angry face on. But the Avengers are all around him and it looks like they're trying to get him you have the vision you have iron man you have uh, hawkeye in this uh uh studio 54 outfit uh, you have scarlet witch and the falcon and um it, it's vision says avengers assemble captain america must be captured or destroyed and falcon says stop him it's the matter of life and death and the, the, uh, the bottom says wanted, dead or alive. Now, a couple of things about this cover. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if you noticed, but the Falcon now has his, um, fit, uh, his glove on his right hand instead of his left hand. And Red Wing is on his right hand. So uh, they, they basically just reversed the image that has been all along because he, he wears it on his left hand. Don't know why they did that here, but they did. And the other thing too, and this is kind of really interesting. If you've seen, if you're looking at the cover of 154 and you go, oh, that, that figure of Captain America looks familiar. That's because Marvel, they must have loved this figure because they used it for multiple marketing pieces for Captain America for years to come. But you know what they did, Bob? They replaced an angry face with a smiley face. Yeah. 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 1950s cap always has an angry face. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you ever noticed that. But, uh, Maybe he's friends with the Submariner. Yeah. <laughs> so this, uh, by the way, the Avengers here, um, this story takes place between Avengers 104 and 105. And just so you know, 105 happens to be the first Steve Englehart Avengers and then begins his, his long run on that series. Okay, so this story is called The Falcon Fights Alone. 
And the captions in on this big splash page, which shows Captain America punching out Falcon in the back alley and, and Bucky just standing there smiling, uh, watching this. And it's, again, Steve Englehart and Sal Buscema. This time we have John Verporten as the inker, Joe Costanza as the letterer, and, of course, Roy Thomas as the editor. And the captions read, who, who, who is this man calling himself Captain America? He looks like Cap. He sounds like Cap. Yet his strength is awesomely superhuman. And moreover, he has a partner named Bucky. Bucky, who the world knows died during World War II. Who is the man? The question screams in the Falcon's brain before pain screams in his body as an unstoppable right hand smashes him down into darkness. Yeah, this, this Captain America and Bucky are standing over him. And he says, he's harder to put away than I figured, Bucky. When we decided to lure him to, to us by roughing up some colors, I should have taken that into account. Bucky says, Fooey Cap, he just got lucky. When I think of how the names of Captain America and Bucky used to make Nazis and commies shiver in their boots, and then I remember that this bum's carrying on that tradition. Cap says, yeah, it's sickening. Come on, let's finish him off. But before he can do that, uh, Red Wing comes down and starts clawing at Cap's face, and Bucky takes a trash can lid and throws it at uh, the Falcon. Um, but uh, that gives Sam the opportunity to get his wind back and hit uh, Captain America. And um, Bucky is trying to get rid of uh, the bird. And he's like, I can't worry about you when I got this colored creep for, for slugging Cap. And, and Falcon turns and is like, what did you say? I don't know who you two are, but I know you, you're not who you claim to be. You're not even close to the real Captain Bucky. You're a couple of costume bigots. And at this point, uh, there's some, some two, two kids in, in, in start to, to go around to the alley because they, they figure there's something going on. It happens to be Sam's nephew and uh, the nephew's friend. And they see um, the Falcon getting uh, beat up. And so, uh, so they run off to get help. Um, but uh, Cap throws his shield at the Falcon who ducks and hits the, the side of the building. And he says, score one for good craftsmanship, you frauds. Your shield's crumpling up like gum wrapper. So we see that it's, 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 a, it's an inferior shield, yeah. right? And he gets, uh, it gets banged up. And so um, Bucky and, and Falcon, um, Bucky and Steve take out the Falcon. So they, uh, they run off. These, these, the two kids go to try to get Sam Wilson, uh, but he's not there. Surprise. And then they run into uh, Rafe and Leah. And so they ask for help. And uh, at first, Rafe is like, ah, I, I'm not going to help that no good uh, Falcon. Um, you know, who needs that bootlicking jiver? And uh, at this point, some of the other guys in the neighborhood say, you know, hey, you know, we, you, I think you've got the Falcon figured wrong. He's done a lot of good for the neighborhood. You know, we need to have the Falcons back. So they all decide, okay, they're going to uh, get up a crew of, of uh, you know, gang and, and go try to find and rescue the Falcon. So let's cut over to uh, the Bahamas, where we have Sharon and Steve walking on the beach, very crowded beach. And uh, you can see the colors has made them a little pink. And Sharon says, I'm so happy we could take this vacation, darling. The only worry I've got anymore is being a blonde. He goes, why, Sharon? 
because I'm so fair and skinned, the sun's making me look like a lobster. So that's uh, Engelhart's way of showing how their skin tone is going to be different from the other Captain America. Um, and at this point, there's a, a big brawny guy who tries to make a play for Sharon. She dumps him on the sand. He doesn't like it. Uh, so Cap then takes him and, and throws him. And they said, mm. she says, maybe we can't ever be free of violence, Steve. Don't say it, Sharon. If we have to, we'll find a private beach. All right, so we cut back to this uh, warehouse that the Falcon is tied to a chair and Steve, uh, I'm sorry, Steve, uh, Cap and Bucky are trying to get him to talk where the other Cap is. And he says, I'm not talking. So they're, they're torturing them, right? And the, the people out looking for him find where they are. And so Bucky answers the door and this gang comes in and, and watch out, it's a mob. America says, Bucky, good Lord. I never saw anything like this. I know, Cap, I can't believe it either, but I'll hold them off. I'm just as strong as you, and these guys are finding it out. Um, but they have the numbers. So they're, they're, they're taking Bucky down, even though um, he's super strong. Now, and there's, a, there's a clue right there, right? I mean, that's not something you expect if you know anything about Bucky. I mean, why would he be just as strong as Cap? Exactly. It is, it, yeah. it, it is a head scratcher for sure. Yeah. All right, so Cap starts uh, fighting these guys, but he realizes that there's too many of them. So he's got to make a run for it. And he, he takes the Falcon and still tied to a chair and he leaps up to a second level. And they, uh, they say, you know, you're running like a, like a dog, you coward, which gets his attention. He gets his attention. He's like, coward, nobody calls me that if they want to stay healthy. And this, uh, and, he, and he, you know, starts fighting with the guys. And, and at this point, the Falcon says, wait, I finally saw it. I know who that dude really is. And how about you, mystery buff? Have you spotted the same clue the Falcon has? And so Falcon gets out of his ropes. He says, I know who he is and I could do something about it. There's a lot I don't understand, but that can wait. Heads up, mister. This is the fourth quarter and you're tackled. So the, the two of them um, uh, fall from the second floor and Cap picks up Bucky and, and they, they run out. And, um, and you know, the, the crowd uh, basically is, is happy to see that the Falcon um, is okay and that he, he, he was standing up to the super strong cap. Um, but he's like, all right, I, I, gotta, I gotta head out because he, he, he needs to go on a manhunt to find these guys. And uh, so he goes shaking down people to try to find where he could possibly be. Now, in the same time, we have the cap, I'm sorry, Steve Rogers' police partner, uh, Bob Courtney. Uh, he's come to talk with uh, Muldoon, uh, who has been um, on leave from the police department. And he says, um, you know, my, my partner Rogers deserted me the night you were suspended. Uh, and then he called in sick. He's disappeared. Hmm. By heavens, something solid I can fight at last. If Rogers was involved in framing me, I'll find out every secret he's got. So that story is uh, setting up. up. Yeah. Uh, so at this point, Falcon calls the Avengers and um, Jarvis, because he, he, he's trying to get a hold of Cap. And Jarvis says, well, Mr. Rogers and Miss Carter left for Mosca K, quote, to lose themselves, they said. 
they cannot be contacted. So they went to a private beach because again, they, they wanted to get away from the violence, right? And by the way, just so you know, issue 154 is the first appearance of Mosca K. It's a totally made up place. <laughs> oh, damn, I was going to be, bu- I was booking a trip for spring break. Oh, I'm well, glad you let me know. Yeah, saved you a few dollars. <laughs> so he, uh, he, he says, okay, I'm going to go down to the Avengers mansion himself. He gets there. Jarvis meets him at the door. Good evening, Master Falcon. Could I see your identification, please? I must check all non-Avengers closely. You understand, I'm sure. No problem, Jarvis. So he comes in and he's talking to Scarlet Witch and Iron Man and the uh, Studio 54 Falcon. I'm sorry, uh, Hawkeye. Because <laughs> he's I say Falcon because he's got that long V down the, uh, yeah. quite the 1972 look. And he says, look, uh, there's a fake Captain America loose and I've, I got to get to Mosca K in the Bahamas to warn our cap. And this is really something big for me. And um, so the vision comes out and says, uh, a bad Captain America. But 10 minutes ago, Captain America relieved me at the video monitor downstairs. Oh no, it's the fake. So they all run down there and Cap's gone, but he was watching the living room the whole time. So now he knows that Steve's in Mosca K. So um, they're like, okay, we're on our way. And uh, um, Vision says, Jarvis, did you ask for identification when Cap arrived? And Jarvis says, oh, no, sir. He's been an Avenger so long. So that explains that. Mm-hmm. Next, the real Cap swings back into action and the fake finally reveals his incredible origin. Be here. So it's a race to Moscow. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Okay. Okay. So now we're at issue 155. And uh, it's a great cover, classic cover. And it says, The Secret Origin of Captain America. Never seen before. What are you talking about? I've seen the origin of Captain America before. It was in issue 109. It was in Tales of Suspense. Uh, obviously, it was in Captain America Comics, number one. Never seen before. Well, they're talking about a different Captain America. And, it, and if you look at it uh, closely, because you see Bucky, you see Red Skull, you see uh, a couple of the villains from the late 50s. Hmm. Okay, so this one... Uh, is by Steve Englehart, Sal Buscema. Uh, this time he's joined by inker Frank McLaughlin, who um, does partner with Sal for many of the issues in um, in the the one sixties. So he he stays uh, with Sal for a little while here, and I think he, he he does a nice job on Sal's work. Nice splash page by Sal here, where they're on this this beach, and it's uh, you see Cap's uniform hanging over a chair, and uh, Cap's holding up with one hand, Sharon, and um, uh, the, the name of the story is The Incredible Origin of the Other Captain America. And then you have a silhouette of the angry Cap's face in the background. 
So we're in the story and they're all, uh, again, very pink, right? They've been uh, out in the sun for a little while. They even mention that, um, that they need to get inside or the sunburn will start smoke. And then the next thing you know, Cap sees this figure on the beach and he says, no, it, it can't be. Sharon says, honey, what is it? What's wrong? The boy, he looked, he looked like, wait here, Sharon, I've got to investigate this. And so he's running after this boy, he ducks in behind some palm trees and Cap follows and then gets uh, just bushwhacked here, right? He gets hit from both sides and he's knocked out. And you see Captain America, uh, the, the, the 1950s version, at last, after all our effort, we finally got him. And Bucky says, you, yeah, partner, I knew my face would suck him in. The fool, Captain America is beaten by Captain America. Now all we need is the girl, and that's a snap. Since my face is the same as his, I'll just change clothes with him. She won't be able to tell us apart until it's too late. So he jumps out into the sand, and he says, hey, come here, look what I found. Side note, I don't know about you, Bob, but did he change out of his into his bathing suit did he take steve out of his because there yeah. he is standing in the sand with with steve steve yeah, yeah they, that, that, they, they didn't show that panel thank you thank you yeah I mean, it's 1972 <laughs> so this isn't a max series yeah <laughs> so sharon says what's up steve did you catch the boy and and you see the thought bubble of of the 50s cap this is too easy what a stupid broad <laughs> I almost expect him to say, what a stupid broad, see? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and then, then her eyes widen. An alarm begins to clang in her brain. Her man was sunburned. And this man is not, despite all the other evidence, this not Steve Rogers. To a trained S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, the thought is equal to the action. Not knowing the extent of her opposition, Sharon Carter spins on her heel without losing a stride and runs. So Cap says, she's wise. Let's get her, Bucky. Right with you, Cap. So they're, they're running after her, she, and they're gaining on her, right? Because they got the super speed with their super power. And just before he reaches her, Falcon comes out of nowhere and, and nails uh, Captain America and punches him. And uh, just as uh, Cap is about to attack him, uh, Red Wing. Red Wing comes out of nowhere and just claws at his back and so um you've got falcon and sharon surrounded by bucky and cap and uh you know they're out outclassed here right and they fight but um uh, it's unfair and uh they're taken down so that brings us to the big reveal this brings us to the best part of the story what yeah. makes this an amazing story. So we're on page 11 and we have uh, Steve Rogers, the real Steve Rogers, Sharon and Falcon all tied up and, and they're in a air car. They're in the cargo area of a plane and the Captain America is there with his shield, which by the way, I do want to point out sometimes his shield looks fine. Sometimes it does have the, the bend to it. Um, wish there was a little more consistency there, but oh well. And the Cap America says, welcome, scum. Welcome back to awareness. Now that I have you all together, it's time to tell you the reason for all this. I want you to know who I am and how I became this way before I kill you. Since that, after all, is what I must do. 
For you see, I am the Captain America of the 1950s. I am the other Captain America. Dun, dun, dun. Now, we've, we've been mentioning this. You know, we're looking at this in retrospect, right? Right. But imagine in 1972, imagine seizing, seeing this story. You're just like, what? How? So he, he goes into his long story here and he says, I see you're shocked. Then listen, I was 11 when Cap first appeared in 1941. Like all Americans, I worshiped him. I joined his fan club. I read every word printed about him. Bob, what does that 11 year old have on his, on his shirt? He's, he's sporting a Sentinel of Liberty badge right there. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people don't know. I actually have that badge right there. That one right there. Yeah, it is cool. I know. Burnside's badge. I know because uh, you, you shared it on our Facebook page, yeah. uh, which other people have shared their badges. And, yeah. and it's, uh, it's a very cool collectible that uh, a lot of people, you know, hope someday to, to be able to get. So you're a lucky one. So he goes on to say, and then in 1945, I saw words I would have gone blind before reading, and it's the Daily Bugle. Captain America disappears headline, Bucky dies in flaming explosion, no trace of Cap's body and wreckage. Words that changed my life. The world slowly, sadly went back to business as usual, but not me. I decided to make my life's work the study of Cap. The way some people study Lincoln or Jesus, it became an obsession. Until finally in 1952, I graduated summa cum laude in American history, having done my thesis on him. But that wasn't enough. I knew all about him from the alloy point of view, but what had the Nazis thought? What had their intelligence reports said? So early in 1953, I gathered my funds and flew to Germany. This is, I mean, it's, it's incredible, right? I mean, this guy loves Cap. He's not a bad guy, right? He's a little creepy obsessive, but he's not. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, he didn't have a podcast. I mean. <laughs> oh, touche. But... <laughs> So he goes on to say, once there, I haunted, the I haunted the archives where hundreds of thousands of old Nazi records were being stored by the Allies. Hardly any had been looked through, and I was in heaven for weeks. They had lots to say about Cap, and none of it good. I learned a great many German curse words in those reports. And then in March, I was looking through the 1941 files of a supposedly minor espionage officer when I found an incredible report. It was the formula for the American super soldier. I scanned the file, unbelieving. It told of rumors about an American experiment to produce ultra warriors. One of Kerfoot's spies had been ordered to investigate and had stolen this formula just hours before being uncovered and killed during the experiment itself. That was the last report by Kerfoot and cross-checking showed why. He had died in a bomb blast the next day. But, but the super soldier experiment, one that produced cap, then when this formula, I became a new Captain America. I don't have to tell you that I flew directly to Washington. So he goes on to, to tell uh, the government that he has the formula and that he uh, is willing to, to give it to the government only if he is the new Captain America. So they were angry, of course, and demanded a test. So I made up a small sample of the serum for them to test and they were convinced. I knew then they tried to rook me by analyzing the monkey's blood, but the serum was undetectable, just like the real cap. 
You know what? I got to stop you, Rick, because I think this was a missed opportunity. Yeah. With, uh, with the super soldier monkey. <laughs> you know, they never went anywhere with that story. And I think, uh, well, you know, never say never. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we should have gotten like uh, a lot of the DC characters. <laughs> and uh, the super horse. Right, yeah. The cat. What was the cat's name? Oh my gosh, I don't remember. So he said, before I injected myself with my serum, there were still things to do. I wanted America to believe I was the same cap as before, to think he never died. So I had to search their files for photos, recordings of his voice, and the secret of his identity. I underwent plastic surgery and operations to have my vocal cords rebuilt. For two weeks, I waited behind a gauze veil, and then I truly became my lifetime idol. At last, I was ready for the final step. But as if in some bizarre joke, the next day was July 27th, 1953. And that's when, what happened, Bob? The Korean War ended. That's right. So he, uh, he was told, look, we don't need Captain America anymore, so we're putting it on hold. It was a bitter pill to swallow, but my government was my government, so I reluctantly took my history degree and got a professorship at a small Connecticut academy, the Lee School. And he went on to, uh, he was teaching. He came across this young lad who also had an obsession with Captain America, who, by the way, resembled Bucky, and by the way, liked to call himself Bucky. So then uh, he revealed what uh, he had done uh, with Bucky, and they, uh, they, they kept this secret between the two of themselves. And uh, they often talked about what might have been. And then one day, Bucky, because he's not, he's not referred to as Jack Monroe yet, right? And the other one is not referred to as William Burnside yet. We, this has been later on retconned with those names. But so uh, Bucky comes to Steve and says, I made this for you, which was a perfect replica of Captain America's uniform. Because, you know, those home ec classes, I guess, you know, when he's 13, 14 years old, uh, we all know those perfect uniforms that they can make. But um, so he went on and he says, uh, uh, no, Bucky, I can't, I can't take this. I can't take it. He hands it back. And so this is the point where Steve Englehart uh, refers back to Young Men Comics number 24, which came out in December of 1953. And it's actually reprinted here in the pages of Captain America 155. And I, I'll just quickly take you through it, but it's um, uh, Bucky gets in a fight. Uh, S- Steve breaks up the boys. They get into a car and they're driving and they're hearing um, Flash. Here's terrible news, folks. The worst criminal mind of all has come back to plague humanity. This time he's joined our red enemies to fight against America. Yes, the red skull is back. Bucky says, the Red Skull, Steve, do you hear? Yes, I hear. And then the radio goes on to say, right now he's pulling the most frightful scheme of his nefarious career. He and his, his gang have crashed the United Nations building and they're holding the delegates prisoners. The Skull wants the Secretary General of the UN turned over to him as hostage to make sure the Reds win all the demands. If the police attack, his men will kill all the delegates. So uh, it just so happens they're they're just around the block from the UN building. Very convenient. And Bucky happened to keep Cap's 
uniform in and says, hey, I have uh, this uh, uniform. Do you think it's time for Captain America to make a comeback? And he said, yes, yes, it, yes, it is. So then they, they have a new page here um, that kind of intertwines into this story. And they, they, they show uh, Bucky and Cap putting on the uniforms and, and, and um, Cap takes out the super soldier serum. And he goes ahead and he injects both Bucky and him with this serum. And uh, there's sweat coming down their faces. They're, they're conver- you know, convulsing a little bit. But, uh, but then Captain America and Bucky live again. So they switch back to Young Men Comics 24. And they, uh, the crowd notices, it's Captain America and Bucky. Yippee, they're the ones that can handle the Red Skull. So they go in there, they crash in, and uh, they, they stop the Red Skull. And that's the end to that flashback to Young Men Comics. And then they, they have a, a, a new flashback. And it says, oh, it was glorious to be a living legend. Fight the Red Skull who turned out to be a real red who had, uh, who had stolen the, the name from the Nazi villain. And then they, they fought other villains such as the, uh, the Russian killer Electro, the Chinese assassin, the man with no face. And um, they were the Sentinel of Liberty again. But somehow we seem to outgrow the world. We began finding reds where others saw nothing, like in Harlem and, and Watts. In fact, we found that most people who weren't pure-blooded Americans were commies. Washington said we were losing touch with reality, quote, schizophrenic paranoia, they called it. So they decided to uh, uh, put Cap and Bucky on ice because they didn't have a cure for it, but uh, they, they, they basically what happened was the, the Vita rays that they used on the original cap make the difference. And so without them, the serum was destroying their minds. Yeah. Now here's an interesting thing though, Rick, right? Because the Vita rays were a sort of a more recent addition as well. That is absolutely true. So in issue 109, where they do the origin of Captain America, that is the first appearance of the Vita rays. Yeah. And so that was something that was added to the story. So there was a retcon on a retcon, yeah, if you will. I love this. I love this line, you know, in the uh, a couple panels later when the government agent says uh, they used to be heroes, but now they're insane. It is. Ins- it is a shame, uh, but that's what happened. And until recently, when uh, the one of the men in charge of the of guarding their bodies became incensed at recent political developments and felt like um, America was going to, to the commies and said, you know what, I'm gonna, it's, it's time to break these guys out. Yeah, right there on the, you know, he's holding the newspaper, right? And what's it say on the newspaper, Rick? Nixon goes to China. There Trip you go. Up next. So they decide um, uh, at this point that they're going to um, go out there and uh, protect America again, right after they go after the current Captain America trader. So that's the story. That is the story. And uh, you know what? I got hats off to Steve Englehart. That is uh, a great retcon of explaining that Cap was frozen at the end of World War II and uh, that's why we have Captain America in the 50s. Yeah. Great explanation. But, you know, there's, there's a, there's a uh, right there at the end of that issue, right? Uh, these guys don't know that 
Captain America is the original Captain America. They think it's just another guy yeah. wearing the uniform. Yep, absolutely. And, and so, uh, and then Falcon reveals how he knew, right? He says, you went through all those hassles, studying surgery to look just like Cap, and then you forgot to put red and white stripes on your back like the real McCoy. You're a loser, man. And so the, the fake Cap smacks him with the shield. And that's, that's the clue that the Falcon saw last issue when yeah. he said, I know. Now, you know, if you're an average comic book fan and you were looking at that, you probably wouldn't have picked up on that because how many times have we seen um, inconsistencies in art? I mean, like, like I said, the, the, the banged up shield, right? Uh, the fake cap had a banged up shield, but throughout these issues, not, not every time was it banged up. So, um, so, there, so we're used to inconsistencies. So we probably wouldn't have caught that the very first time. So um, last page, last page of this uh, story is, um, you know, uh, with, with, Cap, with the fake Cap and Bucky now getting, going to the front of the, the airplane to take off from the Bahamas, the uh, Steve, the real Steve, just takes his ropes off. Um, he, he had been able to get out this whole time, but he, he wanted to learn more about what was uh, the situation first. So, um, and, he, and he's upset. Right, he's a little upset because he says, um, "I don't think I've ever been as chilled by mere words in my life. To think he is what he is because he admired me." And Falcon asks, "Well, what are you going to do about it then? Do? Well, it doesn't seem to be his fault that he's so dangerous, but that doesn't make him any less malignant. He's had it all his own way till now, but now it's our turn. Now it's time for the showdown." Next, Cap fights the battle of his life against the man who could be him. And Captain America must die. Oh, seriously, Rick, you brought it up, you know, earlier. I mean, can you imagine, like, having to wait a whole other month? I mean, I, I can't, you know? I mean, this, this story would have me on pins and needles for, uh, for the next month as I waited for the next issue to hit the yeah, stands. Absolutely. Yeah, we, uh, we are very lucky we're doing this in retrospect. So here we are, Captain America 156, Captain America and the Falcon. And uh, Cap, uh, the Falcon is now back to having the glove on his left hand. I don't know if uh, the editors caught that or what have you, but um, that's been corrected. And you have two Captain Americas fighting each other on the cover. And you have uh, Falcon in the background and Bucky in the background. And the one Captain America has his, his uniform ripped. And he says, only one Captain America is going to survive this fight, the real one. And the other Captain America says, and that's me. And then Falcon says, which one of them is the real Cap? Which one? Even I can't tell for sure. This is it. The final showdown. Mayhem over Miami. Two into one won't go. So this one, uh, Steve Englehart, Sal Basima, and again, Frank McLaughlin as the inker. Sam Rosen, letterer, and Roy Thomas, editor. Oh, by the way, so they're, they're flying back from the Bahamas, and they're going uh, to Miami. Uh, you have Captain America, Falcon, and Sharon Carter in the cargo hold of this uh, big airplane. Uh, you know who's missing? Red Wing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, where's Red Wing? It's on a little Bahamas vacation. 
<laughs> it's, it's, I don't know if Red Wing can fly faster than a clipper, but uh, he's, he's probably on his way. He's making yeah. best time. Yeah. All right. So the plane lands in uh, Miami Beach because that's the, the closest place they can get to. And the way they explain is um, uh, the fake cap says, coming in, Bucky. Cripes, it's good to be back. Bucky says, you said it, Cap. This whole business has been bad news. Having to chase all the way to the Bahamas to catch those creeps. It feels great being back in of US of A soil. And of course, it's the right spot to wind up this bit between you and that imposter. That's why they waited to come back because they wanted to be in USA. They couldn't wait to get out of that awful Bahamas. But uh, as soon as they land, Steve breaks through the door and uh, he says, How, you're loose. How can you be loose? The real Captain America is no amateur friend. This one's got super strength too, Falk. Let me give you a hand. So they're fighting. And uh, the fake cap pulls out a blaster and he shoots this big hole in the side of um, the airplane. And so they're, he's, he's running out and Falcon grabs him and rips his uniform. And uh, then there's this big uh, scuffle. The Coast Guard uh, come up and they say seesaw activities and um, the fake cap still has the laser pistol and um, fires and shoots a big hole in the, uh, the Coast Guard's boat, which is starting to go down. And the fake cap and, and Bucky make a run for it. But um, Falcon convinces Steve, or, or not convinces, but brings to light that the fact the, um, the Coast Guard, you know, ship is going down and they need some help being rescued. So, so they, they hold off on pursuit uh, to, 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 um, to go ahead and, and help the crew. But right before the fake cap leaves, he says, listen, scum, and listen hard. If you're man enough to continue this, meet me at the torch of friendship in an hour. So they get back to the shore and Cap says, all right, we need to go tell the police to cordon off the area. And um, uh, he says, uh, I'm, I, need, I need to go handle this by myself. And <laughs> Falcon, Falcon tells a little joke here. And he says, to screw up an old joke, buddy, quote, what do you mean you, white man? We'll be coming along on this. Wait a minute, Sam, this is my fight. Bull, man, we've been having too many grudge matches around here. If we're a team, we're a team. Sharon says, all three of us, Steve, Captain America is just not a loner anymore. And so he's like, okay. So they, uh, they convince the police. Um, and, and by the way, he has to, uh, has to show him his Avengers badge, right? ID card, right, yeah. What's, what's with Steve Englehart and the ID card? I, Slightly it's, waterlogged ID card at that. Uh, but he goes, he goes uh, here's my water-soaked identification card from the Avengers. And the, the Sarge says, Signed by the Vision, acting chairman. Well, there you go. I guess back in 1972, they didn't have fake IDs. Right. Yeah. So uh, next page, we, we get back to that story that's been developing where Steve Rogers' police partner is uh, suspecting him of things. So they go and they break into Steve's apartment and they go through everywhere and they cannot find any secrets. <clears throat> but... The apartment manager does notice that uh, they, that uh, Steve's room has been broken in by these guys. So that story is to come later. Cap goes to the rendezvous to fight. And on his way there, he gets ambushed by Bucky, who um, uh, attacks him from behind. Um, Falcon and Sharon decide to stay and fight Bucky so it can be Cap versus Cap. And during the fight, Bucky is 
saying, this is going to be fun. I get to pound both a colored creep and a tomato at the same time. Yeah, she, a tomato. <laughs> and, and he says, Falcon says, you stupid bigot. You're no superhero, but you better thank Providence. You're super because otherwise I'll put you away with one punch. And they start fighting. Uh, Bucky continues with the slang, man. He's like, not bad for a darky boy, but you should know better than to go up against your betters. And by the way, this is Jack Monroe. Jack Monroe. So I know there's a lot of Jack Monroe lovers out there. Yeah. I was one of them. Yeah. I loved him during the Grunewald era. Not a really good uh, origin story here for him. No, he's got some issues. You know, it's not his fault. No, no, it was uh, the 50s for sure. So uh, they, uh, they go ahead and fight, and between Sharon and, and Sam, they, they do take him out, and uh, Sharon shows him that, you know, uh, women of the, the 70s aren't like the women of the 50s, and um, they, they take him out. You know it, Mama. Mm-hmm. So then Cap goes to the rendezvous. He goes in there, and he starts, he starts thinking about, um, about his, his uh, opponent, right? And he says... I've never fought the evil side of my own nature. And that's what he is, after all. A man who began with the same dreams I did and ended up as an insane, bigoted, super patriot. I'm going to read that again. And then ended up as an insane, bigoted, super patriot. So do you think Mark Grunewald read this? Yeah, we revisit this theme yes. time and time again. We really do. Uh, he says, he is what he is because he admired me, wanted to copy me. He doesn't know I'm the man he idolized, but I know it. It's a very, in a very real way, I'm responsible for all the evil he's done. Now I have to face him and finish this. But can I finish a man who's my biggest fan? So the, the uh, evil cap comes in and swings in and knocks him out in this gorgeous splash paid by, by Sal Basima. <laughs> cool. And then they, they go back and forth. Um, uh, fake Cap takes his shield and, and brings it down onto Cap's shield, but of course it breaks it in half. <clears throat> and he says, and Steve says, but your materials are too cheap to fool anybody. You think I'm a traitor? Grow up, fella. Times have changed. America's in danger from within as well as without. There's organized crime, injustice, and fascism. And wouldn't you recognize that? Are you calling me a fascist? You mealy mouth rat. You're scared to face up to the commies in a war like a real man. I'm a real man. And I'll kill you to prove it. So he still thinks this guy is just another run-of-the-mill replacement. Yeah. And he says, but you've had it, rat. If you don't know it, we're both copies of the real thing. But I'm stronger than you. I didn't have any vita rays to soften me up. That's where, and, and now Steve starts to talk. And he says, that's where you've got it wrong, mister, because we're not both copies. I am the original. His taut voice continues telling the history of his life and more, telling of the 30s and the 40s as seen by a man who lived them. And in the face of the other man, something happens, something ugly. As eyes that once held the cool glow of patriotic fervor and later flamed with the bright fires of madness, now blaze with the roaring inferno of absolute hate. He knows, he knows the awful, terrible mistake he has made. He knows he has loathed what he have, should have loved. And mouths insanities, he hurls himself onto the fist of someone more than a man, the ultimate 
the only Captain America. And Steve knocks him out with one punch. Captain America stands and looks at his fallen adversary. Captain America stands and thinks of his fallen adversary. And in the midst of the crowd, he is alone with his thoughts. He is alone in his thoughts. In his thoughts, he is once again a gawky youngster named Steve Rogers, wanting so desperately to fight America's enemies that he volunteered to test an unknown serum and so became the guardian of his country. But no one knew anything about Steve Rogers, least of all himself. There had been no security checks on him before entrusting him with this power. What if he had had that fatal flaw that would have driven him to super patriotism, madness, and mayhem? What if things had been just slightly different? But he says, he'll be fine too, I guess. The authorities will put him away back in their suspended animation tanks until a cure can be found, if, if one can be found. But all the time, I'll be thinking that he could have been me. And now, if you'll excuse me, I'd like to be alone just for a little while. The end. That's some powerful stuff. Yeah. What a story. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a story that does a, a retcon of and explains what, uh, why Captain America was in the 50s. Uh, when when Steve was supposedly frozen during that time after World War II. But it also begs the question, what is really, what what does Steve stand for, right? What what makes Steve, Steve? Was it the shield? Was it the secret, uh, you know, super soldier formula? Was it the, him standing up to uh, the, you know, the commies and, and the Nazis? What really made him? And and, and I don't, we don't have an answer. We don't have an answer. Steve's, Steve, but we have Steve questioning it at the end. You know, Steve has always wrestled with, you know, who am I and what am I? And what does it mean to be a patriot? And this question really juxtaposes two kinds of patriots. It doesn't resolve at the end, right? I mean, Cap wins. Steve Rogers wins, right? He is, he's not as strong, right? But the other cap is inferior in other ways, not just the symbolic ways, his uniform tears, his shield crumples, his uniform's not right. Um, but he's inferior in the way that he views the world and, and the way that he views what it means to be a patriot. Because what he lacks is he lacks the compassion and the wisdom that Steve has developed over the years from his loss. Yes. I think, you know? I agree. Uh, yeah. And, you know, this, I mean, this, this, this means so much to me, you know, as somebody that's uh, that served for many years in the military, this story has always meant a lot to me because, you know, I've seen people who have identified with both kinds of cap and what that means to be a patriot. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I wonder, right. I mean, we, we know the story, for example, of, of, uh, you know, in Vietnam, the Mille massacre, which took place not long before the story was written. And there were two um, key figures in that uh, massacre, right? There was William Cowley who led the massacre and there was Hugh Thompson, the helicopter pilot who put an end to it. And both of them thought they were doing the right thing uh, for the right reasons. Both of them thought they were patriots, but they saw their patriotism in different ways. And, uh, and I see that same sort of tension play out here between the cap of the 50s and the original. Great stories get you to think. 
And that's, that's one of the things I think this story helped do. This story gets you thinking about what is a patriot? What is, what does Captain America stand for? And Steve Englehart does an amazing job, you know, throughout his tenure in Captain America, because he has that fantastic secret empire story and then the, the nomad story. So there's this constant questioning of authority, this constant questioning of, um, of symbolism. And uh, yeah, it's, it's great stuff. And, and, and some point in the podcast, future episodes, we'll be tackling those stories too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's funny, um, you know, I keep referring to Steve Rogers and um, cause his, you know, he, he went from having a, a public identity where people knew and then where he didn't. And so I don't want to get into the, the long story that uh, Steve Englehart is doing over in Avengers around the same time, because issues 106 through 108, there's a story where the Avengers are battling uh, this character called the Space Phantom, who had been around the Marvel Universe for quite some time. And we learned that the Space Phantom made Rogers, his secret identity, a secret again. And uh, this, is, this is a story of um, basically retcons Captain America 113, where the Space Phantom assumes the, the, the form of Madame, uh, Madame Hydra. And um, so, yeah, there's Engelhart retconning again, right? And, and uh, you know, changing up stories. But so, so no one knows that at this point that uh, Captain America is Steve Rogers. Yeah. You know, and, and I got to give, I got to give Engelhart a lot of credit because he, uh, not only did he deal with the paradox of the 1950s cap, uh, and, I, and, and I will say that uh, as, as a letter writer pointed out, I think uh, a couple issues later, I think 159, um, it did not address a lot of the other issues, uh, a lot of the other stories that took place um, that were eventually retconned as uh, the spirit of 76 taken over as, as Cap and then, and then the Patriot, that, that came later. Uh, and they tried to explain that away, the editor tried to explain that away in that, uh, in that uh, rap with Cap uh, uh, in issue, I think 159. But, but Englehart contributed a great deal because uh, this guy, the Cap of the 1950s, uh, has an important role to play in a number of other important storylines uh, uh, in the decades to come. Um, powerful storylines, interesting and exciting storylines. And so he really did add to the lore of, uh, of Captain America. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I'm curious if you're a golden age fan of Captain America, um, what are your thoughts on the fact that, uh, you know, the, the stories that ends up being William Burnside um, ends up being a fake cap and a fake Bucky, you know, how do you feel about that? Are you cool with it? Are you, are you, do you feel like, you know, this is a great retcon that explains some things? Or are you just like, you know what? I, I'm furious because it, it devalues the story. It devalues what the creators were doing back then. And because they thought they were, you know, writing perfect Captain America stories. And they were, they were perfect for that yeah. time. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I mean, you know, you could, you could point to, uh, you know, the 1950s cap and his very, uh, very out front anti-communist sort of activities and thinking, 
But you know, if, it, if we're honest and we look back at the even the early nineteen, uh, you know, uh, like you know, the early issues of Captain America, early Golden Age Cap, you know, there's 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 a lot of attitudes expressed in those comics that uh, would be greatly out of place in the modern world. So you know, nineteen fifties Cap wasn't wasn't off the mark that much. No, and it wasn't a fake Cap, right? Any more than than the guys that filled in you know, the previous two guys that filled in. Right. Um, it just adds a lot more nuance to uh, the mythology. Right. So we want to, it's been an extra long episode, but it, I think it deserved it. Uh, it's a great story. I know it was one of your favorite Captain America stories. So uh, by all means, um, we wanted to address a lot of different. A lot of different aspects and uh, yeah, just, this is good stuff. All right, so we'd love hearing from our listeners. And uh, one of the best ways to do that is you can go on to our anchor page and leave a message. Um, you can also get to us on the Facebook uh, page, uh, which is Captain America Comic Book Fans Group. You can go on there and um, uh, chat with us there. That's another great way to do it. Um, and you know, we, all, we also love getting reviews. So if you're on Apple podcasts or iTunes, and you can leave us a five-star review that we would really greatly appreciate it. Like this person, which is Pen2K, gave us a five-star review. And the topic says, calling all Sentinels of Liberty. If you're new to comics or have been reading them for decades, this podcast has you covered for all things Captain America. Knowledgeable hosts and great guests make for entertaining episodes. For more interaction with fellow Cap enthusiasts, check out their Captain America comic book fans group on Facebook. Well, thank you. Hey, a nice little plug there. Um, yeah, yeah. I probably from somebody from our Facebook group, uh, no doubt, uh, because we, I, you know, we have a, a great family there of, of yeah. people who um, uh, share the passion for Captain America. So thank you for that. And, um, you know, for our next episode, number seven, we are going to venture to the year of, I think, 1980. It is the beginning of the Roger Stern and John Byrne uh, story arc. We're going to cover Captain America 247, 248, 249, and uh, talk about that time period. And you know who was the inker on John Byrne for that, that great run? Could it be, Rick? Joe Rubenstein. Joe Rubenstein uh, was the inker, and we're going to actually have him on as a special guest in that episode to talk to, uh, with him about his time uh, on Captain America, um, which he's done more than just the John Bernier. He's, he's done several other issues as well. And of course, his uh, storied career uh, as a inker for uh, decades, uh, we'll, we'll talk with him about that. So we're excited about that as well. That's going to be a great show. Uh, it's a great story, and uh, it's going to be a great guest. Absolutely. It's been a great show. I had a lot of fun. And as always, Bob, I've enjoyed wrapping cap with you. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a great one and uh, probably one of my favorites so far. And I hope the listeners have enjoyed it as well.